The Scroll, Chapter 1, Simca Kohelet tucked his feet under his blanket and watched the sparrow squabbling over the crust of bread on his windowsill. The birds had arrived, as usual, at the first light of dawn for their feast of crumbs, and judging from the growing flock, the news of a free meal had been chirped all over Jerusalem. A wrinkled smile found its way to Kohelet's face. Each day his friend Benjamin would securely attach a new crust of bread around the nail he had driven into the window's ledge. Benjamin claimed he wanted Kohelet to be awakened by the happy sounds of the birds instead of the raucous noise from the marketplace below their apartment, but Kohelet knew better. Benjamin had his own reasons for waking him so early each day. Kohelet peered through the frantic tangle of sparrows, fighting for their share of the morning meal until he spied her, the small, brown finch that always showed up a bit later than the sparrows. She perched on the far side of the windows, patiently waiting for the crumbs that would inevitably fly free from the knot of flashing beaks. Kohelet had named her Simka, the word for joy, for the chubby finch seemed pleased that she could stand aloof from the intense competition while benefiting from the sparrow's labors. Each day, after the sparrows finally tugged the crust free and toppled it into the dirty street below, Simka would strut back and forth on the windowsill as she waited to celebrate the dawn with her sweet song. As the first rays of sunlight cleared the palace walls high above the city and warmed the window ledge, she fluffed out her feathers and gave voice to the joy of a new day. Simka sang as though the sunlight had infused her body and she would burst if she didn't let it out. She sang for Kohelet until the old man finally got out of bed. Only as he arrived at his desk next to the window did Simka give him a sharp nod and fly away. Kohelet watched Simka flit across the empty marketplace toward the orchards outside the city walls. He pulled his garment closer. The harvest was almost finished, and the early morning air was clear and cool. It was his favorite time of year, for soon the pilgrims would flock into Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths. The streets would be crowded with people, and every belly would be full of food. It would be a time to meet old friends and catch up on events outside Jerusalem. He looked past the jumbled roof line that surrounded the marketplace and up to the heights of the king's palace. The royal buildings were edged in sunlight, giving them a surreal glow against the gray shadows of the city below. He'd spent most of his life within those palace walls, but now the memories of those days brought only pain and regret. He dropped his gaze to the empty marketplace lying in shadow below his window. Down here, the only connection to his previous life in the court of the king was his friend Benjamin, for they had escaped from the palace on the same day. They no longer spoke of the events that led to their downfall. There was no point in stirring up the past, as their current fiscal problems and Kohelet's physical trials were more than enough to absorb their combined energies. Their exile had banished them to the poorest section of the city, overlooking the noisiest marketplace in all of Jerusalem. It was a drastic change from the lifestyle he had known in the palace, but Kohelet had long since made peace with that reality and had fully embraced his new life. At least here he was part of a real community, part of a family. He chuckled softly to himself. You are fast becoming a sentimental old fool. A shutter creaked below him, and a splash of water hit the pavement in the market square. Today wasn't the Sabbath, so within an hour the merchants would set up their stalls for another frenetic day of buying and selling, another day of trying to get ahead. Kohelet's white eyebrows knit into furrows of deep thought. It was a self-evident truth that human endeavors could never provide the satisfaction of obtaining anything truly lasting. 
Yet every day the city streets were filled with people desperately trying to scramble higher than those around them. They would scurry about, trying to accomplish something permanent to gain a lasting benefit from all their labor. He knew that pursuit all too well. It had taken the tragedy of losing his possession in the king's library before he clearly saw the end result of those years of dedicated selfless toil. He too had wasted his life trying to gain a lasting reward his work could never provide. Another splash, and the acrid smell of urine wafted into his room. Soon the air would be infused with all the aromas of the market, fair and foul, mixed into a distinct earthy scent. Its intensity would rise with the heat of the sun, thrusting through his open window along with the rising cadence of human and animal voices. The primal chords would reach into his soul with their ancient song of life and death, joy and suffering. In his palace days, the excessive noise and overpowering stench kept him far away from the market. He always sent Benjamin to buy his supplies, and it was Benjamin's regular market days that had been their salvation. His visits had forged lasting friendships that ensured they were welcomed with open arms when they were forced to leave the palace. Across the courtyard, a dog yelped, and Caleb's deep, masculine voice shouted a curse. Caleb's wife screamed at the animal to shut up or it would wake the neighbors. Coelet chuckled again. This was life as it was meant to be, noisy, chaotic, and paradoxical. These were his people and this was his home. He may have lost his position in the palace, but he had gained something far more precious, a sense of being truly alive. The sun on his face brought a childhood memory to mind. He had been sitting on the edge of the palace walls, watching the rising sun spread its golden wings over the city. His mother had called him in, but he waited until the city was bathed in light, wondering to himself where the sun had come from, and feeling that powerful urge, the compelling desire to know, to taste the divine elements, to drink life to its dregs. It was those very feelings that he had followed into the king's library to pursue the study of books, and now, in his declining years, those feelings fueled his desire to pass on what he had learned. Down here, instead of the study of books, his energies were directed toward teaching in the marketplace. After breakfast, he would make his way down to the square and seek out someone interested in being tutored in reading or writing, or in discussing a wise saying or two. In this part of the city, the demand for instruction in the ways of the wise was relatively low, but he could usually get a conversation going by fitting a proverb into the discussion about the rising price of figs. The pay for his week was meager, often involving a trade for some wilted vegetables or bruised fruit that had not sold that day. Kohelet stretched his back and retreated to the small writing table next to the window. His stomach growled. Hopefully Benjamin would arrive soon with a bowl of hot gruel. Sitting at his desk in the sunshine, enjoying the sounds of the market coming to life, and eating his breakfast were the simple joys that roused Kohelet from his bed. But breakfast was late again, and this time Benjamin was even less subtle. He had not only unrolled the blank scroll, but had also propped a freshly cut reed pen against the stone ink jar. Benjamin wasn't giving up. He was more determined than ever to see Kohelet put his teachings on the scroll. His friend firmly believed that Kohelet's unique view of work had to be written down so more people could learn from it. But Kohelet had told him many times, I may have copied a thousand scrolls for the king, but I am not a writer. I am a teacher. When I sit in the marketplace, people come to me with their questions, and I instruct them in the path of wisdom. Wisdom is transferred through relationships, not scrolls. I am not going back to that world. If Benjamin continued to protest, Kohelet cut him off with a poetic refrain. A scroll is the skin of a dead animal, and our ink the juice of dead plants. 
With those lifeless tools, we write the words of deceased people and wrap them around rollers made from dead trees. Then we store our scrolls in crypt-like rooms where they slowly crumble back to dust. Kohelet pointed a finger, gnarled from a lifetime of transcribing letters on parchment at Benjamin. Why should I waste the time I have left on this earth writing down things you can only learn through living? If my wisdom has any relevance at all, it will be passed on from generation to generation, and that's how it should be. Trying to preserve my name through writing a scroll is an exercise in futility. But Benjamin would not back down, and Kohelet tried to close the argument with a more practical rationale. Don't forget that Daniel became the new head librarian by accusing me of stealing the king's oldest scroll. Daniel has left us alone now that he has my position, but there's no point in doing anything that would attract his attention. That argument had worked for a short time since Benjamin had played a key role in the disappearance of that particular scroll. But yesterday, Benjamin had come up with a new idea. Why not write as Kohelet, the collector of writings and wisdom? I am certain I can find a buyer for your writings. Your words might be copied and survive to instruct future generations. And selling a scroll would put fresh bread on our table. It would taste far better than the dry crust we also share with the birds. Benjamin's new argument had intrigued Kohelet, and he had fallen asleep while mulling it over. The man was correct that here in the marketplace his title of Kohelet had replaced his given name. He had intentionally made the change when they first moved here, in case someone from the palace came poking around, but the name had stuck, and now even Benjamin referred to him only by the title of his position in the king's library, Kohelet, a collector of writings and proverbs. Benjamin was also correct about their financial situation. The dilapidated one-bedroom attic apartment was not expensive, but the money Kohelet had managed to save from his years in the library was almost gone. Perhaps it was time to set aside his ideals and become more practical. Besides, if he wrote as Kohelet, he could include his experiences on both sides of the palace walls. He could share about the true nature of work without incurring either the wrath of the king or the disdain of the common folk. He ran his hand over the scroll's carefully turned rollers. The trees of life, as they were called, were of excellent craftsmanship on the scroll. The only thing missing was the tag attached to one end when it was catalogued in the archive of the king's library. He shrugged. The missing tag didn't matter. No scroll he authored would ever be welcome in any library. He traced his fingers over the face of the open scroll. It must have cost Benjamin a small fortune, for the vellum was of the quality of those used in the king's library. Could it have been stolen from the palace? Kohelet chided himself for the thought. Theft wasn't in Benjamin's character, despite their desperate situation. The accusations of the palace against Benjamin were completely unfounded, but it didn't matter, for a former slave would never receive a fair trial if they had arrested him for the burning of the king's scroll. Besides, this wasn't even a new scroll. It had been used at least once before and then cleaned off to make way for new writings. Kohelet scratched off a fleck of black ink. Ironically, a well-made scroll was often worth far more than the thoughts recorded on it. In this case, the former author's patient and arduous work had been unceremoniously scraped off to make room for new ideas. Kohelet shook his head, pursed his lips, and sighed softly. Why bother filling it again? Truly there is nothing new under the sun, just the same ideas coming and going in endless cycles. He leaned back in his chair. The oil lamp Benjamin had lit after he'd fastened the bread to the windowsill was still burning. Kohelet held his hand over the flickering flame and let the warmth fill his cupped palm. This was life under the sun. 
warm and fragile, but also fleeting, for the light would die as soon as the oil in the reservoir was consumed. Kohelet leaned close and blew out the flame. They would need its light later in the evening. The smoke curled up into the palm of his hand, filling the inverted bowl of his fingers and seeping through the cracks between them. This was also his life, a mere handful of vapor that could not be held on to no matter how hard he tried. He squeezed his hand around the gray tendrils, and they vanished into the light of the new day. Instinctively, a word left his lips in a soft whisper, Hevel, a word for smoke or vapor. Pronounced with a faint, exhaled breath, it spoke volumes about his teachings on what people could expect from all their labor under the sun. He tightened his grip, but there was nothing left, not even residual warmth. Nothing anyone tried to grasp in this life could provide lasting satisfaction. It was all fleeting, all hebel, all an exercise in futility. Kuhelet pulled his hand away to watch the last thin trail of smoke rise from the lamp's wick. Taking up his pen, he touched its point into the twisting smoke. If he were to write down any of his teachings, this should be his ink, for only then could the truth be honestly written. Human existence was fleeting, a vapor rising to disperse in the breeze. No matter how wisely people lived or how hard they worked, there was no lasting benefit to be gained from all their labor under the sun. There was absolutely nothing they could grasp and hold on to. His stomach rumbled again and Kohelet nodded to himself. The irony was clear. In contrast to that dire truth, the simple rewards of the day were always waiting. A hot meal, a visit with a friend, the pleasure of working whatever your hand found to do. None of those daily gifts could be stored up for tomorrow, but they could provide great enjoyment in the moments at hand. Kohelet raised his pen to the morning light and chuckled. If Benjamin were to walk in, he would quote one of Kohelet's favorite proverbs. Plant your seed in the morning, in the evening, don't let your hands be idle, for you do not know which endeavor will succeed or if both will do equally well. It was a wise saying, for no one knew what the future held. So why was he so against writing down his teachings? His words would most likely be scraped off into the ashes, but there was always a chance that someone would copy them and then more people would read them. It was not possible to know what the future held, so why not put his hand to the task and see where it led? Down in the market, he taught the young to follow their dreams, to take whatever their hands found to do and work at it with all their energy and skill. It was time to follow his own advice. As the last wisp of smoke wafted up toward the ceiling, Kohelet dipped his pen into the ink, leaned over the scroll, and scratched out his familiar words. Futile, completely futile, I say to you, everything we do is futile.